Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. We're back once again with me, Abraham DeWeese. And with me is my sidekick, my chum, my pal, and the quite misguided Oregon duck himself, Matthew Page. And we have special guest star, the oldest fa- fan of mine. Because I, I'd like to say we're best friends, but I yes, know yes. since childhood, he's been my number one fan and... His name is Richard A. Michelson, the Ram, straight out of Ingram High School, my number one fan, and yours. How are you doing, guys? I'm I'm suspicious because that was actually like a courteous intro. I mean, it, it was kind of courteous. Yeah, we're missing we're missing Mr. So with the Soul Man Solak this week. Uh, is, is it because he isn't here? Does he does he bring out that antagonism in you? And you know, perhaps. You know, I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm waiting for the. That's very. I think he makes. I think he makes him uh, paranoid. I think he makes Abe paranoid. Could be, could be. But you know, I'd, I, you know, before calling you my best friend, Rich, I called you my number one fan. That's um, true. And then true. and then you, Matt. Even though I praised you, I, I, you know, I did say you were a duck, which, in <laughs> most circles, is the biggest insult anyone could ever be called. I don't. I don't hang in those circles, so it's okay. <laughs> no circle good. wants you, Matt. That's why. Anyway, oh. um, mo- let's get into our show. This is the Seattle Sports Union. No, we don't have Brian the Soul Man Solak, but we do have these two jerks that I that I know, and they're here to talk some sports. We're going to do some football, baseball, and of course soccer. Since we have Richard A. Michelson the Ram, let's go ahead and just. We didn't get your opinion on this last week. Rich, I want to know, you're down there, straight in the sweltering heat of the painted deserts of Utah. What do you hear about one Russell Wilson, dangerous number three, complaining about his offensive line, saying that he wants out of town, but then saying he doesn't want out of town and has got no problems whatsoever? Uh, People are not impressed. Who are not, people? Wait, not impressed. Who, who are people? Not impressed at all. Who are okay, people? So, so Utah is this weird NFL ecosystem, okay? <laughs> we're kind of equidistant between. Uh, I mean the uh, the Denver the Denver Broncos are the closest team, uh, but they're actually a lot farther than you might think. It's like a it's like a, an eight hour drive to get to Denver, and like and, ten and ten fourteen thousand foot mountains. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it, and if you go in the winter, it's 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 kind of you can actually be putting your life in danger. So, um, getting over the Rockies is always a challenge. So, but there's there's a ton of fans, uh, Oakland fans, I guess. I'll still call them the Oakland Raiders. I know they moved to Vegas, but they're the Oakland Raiders and always will be. Um, so there's a bunch of Raiders fans. There's a bunch of Chargers fans. There's a bunch of Rams fans. Uh, a ton of 49ers fans with the Steve Young and the Mormon connection there. And then there's a bunch of Seahawks fans. No, no Cardinals? Everyone no Cardinals that, fans? Uh, very, very few. Very there few. aren't even Cardinal fans in Phoenix. Why are you <laughs> there's, there's a few still left in St. Louis. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Two in Chicago. Anyway, um, <laughs> but what's, what's, what's astounding is that basically – um, I, I would say the Seahawks are probably the number three fan base here in Salt Lake, in the Salt Lake area, um, after Denver and uh, the 49ers. But what's astounding to me 
is just everyone just laughing at us Seahawks fans, and rightly so, because our leader, our team leader, the captain, the major domo, is acting like a pop star, basically, like a spoiled brat pop star. And it's ridiculous. And basically all these other teams, uh, fans of these other teams are just like, we just can't wait for this whole thing to have a big divorce. You be forced to trade him for crap and one of us to get an awesome quarterback. So it's just a fiasco and I'm embarrassed uh, across <laughs> the board. But realistically, and we've talked about it on this show, it's not going to happen. I mean, that these things don't happen. You don't trade. You don't trade. Top five quarterback. You, you no, don't. You no. don't trade a Hall of Fame quarterback in the middle of his peak. You just don't. When he gets yeah. when when he's getting on in his years and sure, but when he's in his peak, no. But you're saying it's a bad look. It's a really bad look, and um, I mean, a lot of people give uh, you know Drew Brees' former team. I can't even think who it was. Before Chargers. Chargers, they give them a lot of grief, right? But let's be, let's be honest. I mean, Drew Brees had four years, and they were good, but they were not, like, Hall of Fame, arguably the second-best quarterback in his era, good. Well, and they immediately transitioned to a pretty damn good quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were lucky. Rivers. Lucky that yeah. that happened. So. But, I mean, you know, you look, at the, you look at the Seahawks situation, and it's like, who's who's going to take his spot? I mean, yeah. there's no one there's no one coming in. No. So why why would we bother? I don't I, I don't know. Um, and it's not like this franchise. I realize this is a different setup, but uh, this franchise does not have a good track record in drafting or picking or signing free agent quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's no. let's be honest. We, we we got lightning in a bottle with Russell Wilson. Yeah, That's I mean, true. if it, people seem. People seem to think these guys grow on trees, but, you know, if you look at it from your heart of hearts, a guy like Matt Hasselbeck, wasn't he just a guy that was good enough with good talent around him? You know, wasn't a a John Kitna a guy that was just good enough with guys around him? Wasn't Dave Craig a guy that was good enough, you know, with Steve Largent and Kurt Warner? No, I mean, I, I, I disagree with that. I, I would say that, that uh, Matt Hasselbeck at his peak, when he was very good, was never a top five quarterback, but he was a top ten quarterback. And he was a guy that could win you a game by himself and throw five touchdowns and throw for 4,000 yards in a season. And in that era, when 4,000 yards really, really meant something, um, I don't know if you remember, uh, do you remember the season? Um, we went to a few games... It was a tail hand. It was a losing season. And they said, fine, we're done with Dilfer. We're just throwing Hassel back in there. And if, if, if he's good, he's good. If he's not, he's not, right? Right. And that was so fun because it was a lost season. I think we ended up 4-12 and 12 or 6-10, and 10, something bad, right? But the last six games of that season, he just threw the ball all over the yard. It was like 300-yard games every single time, three, four touchdowns apiece. It was great. Um so in his six or seven year run when he was really good, he was really good. And um, but I mean, Russell Wilson is. I mean, is stratospherically better than than Hasselbeck. Um, 
we've been spoiled, and I think a lot of the current fla- current fans have forgotten the lean years. Personally, mm-hmm. they forgot. You know, I mean, I grew up in the day when the the only player on the team that was NFL caliber was Cortez Kennedy. You know. <laughs> and, and you know the best quarterback you've ever seen in Seattle's history was Dave Craig. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there there were some lean years that we've forgotten, and I think everyone, you know, all these all these, you see the local guys are like, just trade him, trade him, screw it, we'll just trade him if he's not happy. And it's like, no, you don't give up a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're never going to get another one. Well, and well, Matt, I brought this up to you. It's like uh, because I'm very big on if he doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. Get rid of him, but. I'm with you in the, in the respect that, like, he's got a contract. I mean, it's not like we have to get rid of him. No. <laughs> he, where, I mean, where's he going to do? What's right. he going to do? Is he going to throw a tantrum and, and, and refuse to play? Okay. Then if he, he doesn't show up, we, we save the money. Yeah, you that's don't cool. get $35 million. Yeah, that's cool. We'll put the money somewhere else. And the way we'll, the NFL we'll is. We'll call Tyrod Taylor and have him come hand the ball off and do the running offense that we want to. And the way the NFL is, too, I think about when Cam Chancellor tried to hold out. You get to a certain point, I think it's six games, you're still on the hook for another year of your contract. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you don't, you can't just sit out your contract in, in this yeah, there's sport. A point, yeah, there's a point where, like, yeah, that's why they all eventually show up, because they have to at some point. I was going to say that I, I can think of three players, and I'm sure that there's more than this, but I can think of three players off the top of my head that have won contract disputes Maybe four. I think uh, Charles Haley back in the day uh, with the either than uh, with 49ers. the Niners. Yeah. Um, Emmett Smith with the Dallas Cowboys the year after they won the Super Bowl. He missed two games, two games, and they were bad. Like the the Cowboys lost both games, and he comes back and they went on a run and went either twelve and twelve and four on the season or thirteen and three with him in the lineup. He was just too too important. Yeah, he um, was. Cortez Kennedy um, and Walter Jones. And mind you, this is a very Seahawks and West kind of a West Coast bias here, but I'm sure there's been a few others, but they are few and very far between where the player wins uh, out over the team. And you're specifically talking about football because, you know, if you want to extend it to all sports, you have Curtis Flood in the 70s in baseball. Oh, sure. Yeah, but yeah, I I see what you're talking about. Um, Normally the team has more resources and can... can inflict more pain on the player than vice versa. Well, and with football in general, it's more of a team sport anyway. So the loss of one player off the roster, you know, like it's not going to have the impact of the star in NBA sitting out or something like that, where, you know, he's he's one-fifth of your roster or whatever. You know, you've still got, you know, 51 other guys on the roster. So, I mean, even if he's Russell Wilson... Someone else can hand the ball off to Chris Carson. It's fine. <laughs> I could do it. I'll do it for the league minimum if they want to pay me. All right, guys. Before we go into soccer, I just got a couple of baseball questions for you. Because tonight we're watching the Mariners get their ever-loving brains beat in they by the Giants. down four to nothing. Right four to now. nothing now. Great. Okay. Um, God, when Marco Gonzalez threw ball one, ball two, ball three, <laughs> I'm just like, is this? am I doing this again? Am I doing a 19th, 20th year? What are we on? Of 2020. 20? 20. 20 this is years 20. With, 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 I mean, we've had what, like two or three years of contention in that 20 years? Yeah, we've come 
reasonably close Con- in a couple of those years. But Contention, otherwise... by the way, means wild card. It doesn't even mean... Well, right, right. yeah, it means wild card, and it means <laughs> at least we're playing some interesting games in September. I, I, I can't even remember. I think it was the, the, was it a year with, it was the year after Bucky Jacobson or before Bucky Jacobson? I can't even remember. We had, like, a really hot shot bullpen with a closer that kind of came out of nowhere, and we ended up, I think, about five or six games out um, when, all, when it was all said and done. But, like, in August, we were within two games I think of both the wild card and the division. And this yeah. was, uh, I don't know, 07, 08. And then there was a year, um, the first year or two of Zarenzik's reign where we were kind of good-ish. Nine, I think we even got a 90-win season in there. 2009, I think. It was yeah. Like a, it was, I don't think it was 90. I think it was like 80, 88 or 8. Yeah, it was, it was just short of 90, I think, in terms yeah. of wins. But yeah, we, we, so we had a few... Interesting years, but the majority of them have been just crap. Think about this. Think about this, guys, especially you older listeners out there. In the Mariners started in what seventy six? Seventy seven. Yeah, they went from seventy seven to ninety one. Right. With nothing. With nothing. With no win, no winning seasons, and then that season was a not even an interesting play. I was gonna say it was an eighty-three win season. I want to say it was two games over five hundred. Um, yeah, and then and then they had a losing season in ninety-two because everything blew up, and then ninety-three they won, had a winning season with Lou Pinella. That was his first season. Uh, ninety-four they were in the pennant race that they had a losing season. Ninety-five was the miracle run where they're fourteen yeah. games back and beat the. Angels okay, and so Louis 70... Soho hit that the game-winning triple in the the one-off uh, playoff game to decide who won the division. So, yeah. So ninety or seventy-seven till ninety-five. So nineteen seasons, and then a nineteenth season, then... they they won. So nice. this is officially worse than that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we've had some interesting seasons. We've had some interesting players. Uh, the the team the, the various GMs have gone out and bought some interesting players, but yeah, okay, in general, it's been I, bad. I, I'll I'll put it this way: it's been really bad. Here's the thing: in those first 19 seasons, we had a ton of really good players come through the Mariners. We had Spike Owen, we had Dave Henry. I mean, basically everyone in the major leagues came and raided us for all of our talented youngsters. Yeah. Um, we had you know uh. I mean, I can't tell you how mad I was as an 11-year-old boy when we traded away Mark Links and yeah, no, that was that was what that was a uh, that was Argero that was just bad owner after bad owner. That was Argeros just basically coming in here trying to make a buck, and that was Smolian after that who tried to hijack really this to team to Tampa. Yeah, no, and now since we're talking about owners, Matt and I talked about this the other day. Just because Kevin Mathers got caught with his hand in the cookie jar making stupid, you know, statements after some mimosas, um, I don't know if the problem's fixed. I think the culture is still bad at the ownership level. You know, do you know what I would love to see? Which I don't think will happen, but what I would love to see. Oh, yes. Like Please to, tell us. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see um, Adrian Hanauer, the Sounders owner, lead a group to buy the Mariners and run the Mariners. Now, he's not a baseball guy, but he's a sports guy. 
and he's got investments in a number of local sports teams. But more to the point, um, he'd hire the he, right people. He's hired the right people. Yeah. Or, or I'd like to see, I mean, quite frankly, the Seahawks ownership. I mean, I know you've got this thing going on with Russell Wilson right now, but the Seahawks ownership since, um, since the Allen group bought the Seahawks, right. Has been outstanding. Um, and that is what needs to, to be in place. Whereas we basically have a bunch of schlubs in the owner's box, uh, you know, with the, with a team on autopilot, but here, here's the question. I mean, like, at some point, doesn't there have to be an end of people just showing like butts in seats? Is it is it really that good of a family family time compared to other options that families have? Other options singles have? Yeah, but their problem the the problem right now though is, and this came out in the Kevin Mathers interview, uh, or not interview, but um, speech speech is that they're getting butts in seats and they're getting people to buy the the t shirts and the and the bobbleheads and all this good stuff without having to put, you know, that, that great product out on the field. And the fact that Kevin Mathers called Matt, what did he call the fans? Like he said something to the effect that the fans were going to do it anyway. Yeah. It, they've shown that they'll show up anyway, pretty much. And they, right. they, they have, I mean, right, people right. still go and drop, you know, two hundred dollars for two people to see the to, to park, go into the game, sit in decent seats, have two hot dogs and two beers, and and, and a garlic and then, fry. Yeah, and a garlic fry, and 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 you know, then that's a night, and it's two hundred dollars. You know, right? Um, people have shown they're willing to do that, and even though the, the the on the field product is, I mean, it's getting better this year. Looking ahead, we're actually finally seeing starting to see some momentum, but it, the last couple of years, it's been really really bad. But fans have hung in there. And, I mean, on one hand, that's great. It's great that we have fans that are dedicated, you know, that they're going to sit there through the through the, through the lean times. Because there's always going to be lean times. There's always going to be a natural progression of teams that will have good times and bad times. But uh, on the other hand, we shouldn't be rewarding this kind of incompetence, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's especially... It's especially problematic when you see class organizations in Major League Baseball. That, uh, especially the Yankees and the Red Sox, right? And now you could argue, well, they have more money than God, right? Well, they do. They have a ton of money. But also, we've had eras where, especially the Yankees, have had more money than God, and they still frittered it away. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the the Steinbrenner early years, right, before he kind of got out of the way. They had the more more money, better players, and I mean, other than that, Reggie Jackson era in uh, what 70, 76, 77, 78, they were they were garbage. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, after Steinbrenner learned something after he put Cashman in charge in what the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when things turned around when he yeah, stopped he meddling. He learned, yeah, he learned hire the good owners hire the talented people and put them in the role and they trust them to do their jobs. They delegate because yep. the owners have their own businesses and their own things to worry about and they hire the guys who can focus their entire energy on the job. And that's what needs to happen. You gotta you gotta delegate to the right people. You gotta bring in the right staff. And uh, yeah. it's debatable as to whether or not we have the right staff at the moment, but 
<laughs> you can see that they you can see that they have built and 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 the results are about to come clear. The next two years are going to be pivotal in deciding whether Depoto is brilliant or he's an absolute moron. He's an absolute moron. But anyway, um, I disagree. Let, <laughs> but yeah, okay, you can well, just you can have a bad opinion. That's no problem. I allow you to have hey, bad opinions on this. I am allowed to have an opinion. It may be wrong, but I am allowed to <laughs> exactly. Have okay. well, I, I will say this: like we have had. A, a bunch of terrible general managers over the years. But oh, yeah. I, I will say that the, the Poda might be brilliant. He might not. He has a plan. He's not lying about having a plan like, say, Zarenzik. Yeah. He has a plan. He's not completely incompetent like, say, Bill Bavasi, I would who call had a track record. Competent. That's what, what? I would call him. Oh, Depoto? Yes, I would call him competent. Okay. I wouldn't call him brilliant. I'd call him competent. Well, didn't Bavasi have like a famous dad? Bavasi... Bavasi wanted to solve his problems with free agent dollars. Well, he he got caught, he caught lightning in the bottle on that 2002 Angels team that everything went perfect for Sosha, and everyone thought they were awesome. And as it turns out, the Angels aren't actually the great organization that everyone thought they were. Well, you're just gonna hang on. You're just gonna take a World Championship, the Rally Monkey Championship. Out of their hands? Oh, God, I'd forgotten the rally monkey. <laughs> Thank you for I'm reminding gonna, me. I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that just, I mean, they're just, they're just kind of like the, uh, by, not the Boston, uh, the, the White Sox. They're kind of like the Chicago White Sox. They were good for like three years. They got lucky the one year. Frankie Rodriguez got super hot and was unhittable. Um, and they didn't have to, to face the best of the Yankees or the Red Sox. What? <laughs> Where is this revisionist history coming from? What, do you, you think that those, Keith... those that one year that the Angels were really, really good, you think they just blew everyone out? They didn't. They, they blew got... the Mariners out? Not really. Uh, I mean, they, they finished a few games ahead of the Mariners, but it wasn't like... It wasn't that, it wasn't that big. That was, it was, you know, it was our a... year after 2001. Yeah. Was... We still Mariners... know... We no, that was, that was not that, that was, was not 2002. That was not 2002. That was the Oakland Athletics. 2002. That was the Moneyball year, and the A's still lost to the Angels. The Angels won it all against the Giants in the World Series. The the Athletics came in second in the division, and the Mariners won 90 like 93 games or something like that, and still and missed the playoffs. Oh my God, guys! It's been 20 years, and I feel like that just happened yesterday. Like I feel like so true. <laughs> I know. I was know. it really 20 years ago? This this stuff happened like yeah yes i remember it vividly because i what? went on a road trip and i saw the angels play at their stadium i well, i saw luis ugeto hit his only professional home run ever what happened in between them like i know covid happened was there um, anything else that happened lou, lou Pinella left he lost a hall of fame <laughs> manager i think for a time you worked at at&t maybe i worked at at&t yeah. i do remember that okay yeah <laughs> Anyway, uh, all right, let's let's move on. I graduated from college at some point in that in that. Well, that you graduated from college around. and you have a family and you moved to Utah. Yeah, all in, in this span. That's like yeah. Uh, but what did you do in the other like thirteen years or whatever? You know. <laughs> I mean, how? Well, let's look at it this way. We can measure it by championships that other sports teams in Seattle have won in that time period, right? Sure. We we've we've had a Huskies. Um, number one seed in the NCAA basketball tournament, something we never thought we'd see. Yep. We had four championships by the Storm. Right. We had two by the Sounders, one by the Seahawks. 
I'm sure there's other really great moments that I mean we've got a couple of Rose Bowl wins yep. by the Huskies, right? Yep. Uh, don't forget the Washington Stealth that no one ever went and saw, so they stole them <laughs> and put them to boot them to Vancouver, but they won the world champion. Uh, I mean, we've had what the, the uh, a new hockey team up in Everett, right? Like yep. The there's, there's been all sorts of uh, we we've seen the Sonics leave, almost come back, and then not. Um, and then have the NBA, the new NBA commissioner, basically flip us off yep. in, in his very first press conference. Pretty much. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. All right. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. Oh, let's. Uh, oh, here's the other thing. More people know Shaquille O'Neal as a pitchman and as the guy on TNT Thursday Night Basketball, okay. um, as opposed to an actual basketball player. No, everyone knows that he had a successful acting career around Shaq Fu, the movie. <laughs> and right. and and what was the other one? Shazam. Yes, Shazam. Yes. Do you guys ever? You guys know what the Mandela effect is? Yeah, it's it, that's the one where if you remember it differently, then you think you've like changed the the like the the, the universe has changed or yeah something. yeah yeah like every once in a while something happens in the universe you remember it differently and you could swear like for example, uh, there there was a Shazam movie, but I could swear you you could swear that Sinbad made a, a genie movie as well around the same time. Yeah. I remember House Guest. I feel like I watched that movie that that he was in, but apparently he never was in a genie movie. Oh, we <laughs> forgot we forgot Steel. The Shaquille the, the juggernaut Shaquille O'Neal movie yeah. Steel. They should bring that into DCU. Um I think it was wasn't it DCU guy? Wasn't it the DCU guy? Well no, it's it's oh, it's it DC it's a DC really gone down the rabbit It's a DC here, comic, but it's not part of the DC Snyderverse. Oh, no, it isn't part of the Snyderverse, true. Yeah. And, anyway, and Shaq should play it again. Anyway, Mandela Effect. Basically, yeah, you remember things differently than the way it really happened. Um, it's an offshoot of, of, of the simulation theory. What's that? Yeah. That's the belief that, uh, that well, short, short, short terms, put it shortly, uh, that's the belief that we're in the Matrix, basically. You know what I could, yeah, Mandela Theory, right? I could swear the Sounders, I could swear the Sounders had never ever not made the playoffs. That, oh that wait, is I'm actually true. That is actually true. That never mind. Actually, oh, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> and guys, I, I know we're on podcast, so you can't see it, but I bought the brand new Jimi Hendrix tribute jersey. Rich Matt, you guys got to see this on the internet. I just went down there, oh, picked yeah. it up today. What do you guys think? I like it. I. I love it. So I'll tell you what. I saw there there was a leak. There was a leak the day before it dropped. And it's it's, you know, one of these stale um, shots that they have of uniforms, you know, with like a white background, nothing there, no context, and the colors all washed out. It's washed out. It's it's bad. It's bad lighting, whatever. And I was like, "Ugh." And then I saw the video of the jersey on real people. On Sounders players, I saw the full kit with the shorts and the and the, the knee high socks. And I'm like that, that is fire, that is awesome. And I'm like, you know what I remember? I remember, I don't know, my best friend dragging me out into his front yard with his boombox to listen to some Jimi Hendrix <laughs> and look at some some of these old. Um, 
these old records his dad had, including all these psychedelic ones. And I remember, I remember the album. I remember the album that the Sounders jersey evokes, the the one with the purple and uh, the orange and the yellow and the psychedelic. Are you experienced? Yeah. That's what it was. Yep. Yep. Are you experienced? Um, As well as the, I don't know, dozen mixtapes of of Hendrix and. uh, uh, queen that, yeah. uh, that might have been my first put together that might have been my first boom box with a cd player in it yeah it was it, wow. it's it's Cutting pretty it's, it's pretty it was pretty awesome we'd, we'd sit out there listening to uh the hit the hits of the 60s and 70s the old school stuff that his dad <laughs> was listening to as well and that we we'd, we'd shoot some hoops very, but it was very the 90s badly. but it was the 90s <laughs> well yes but it was in the 90s we were we were old souls then anyway I love the kids. Why? Why do you guys? Do either of you guys? I, I didn't read into it. I, I just bought it because I like the jersey, purple and purple and orange, and all that good stuff. Is there something big going on with Jimi Hendrix these days? That this is in lieu of. Like, is it some anniversary or? They're doing it as a salute to. I forget. Is honestly. it just like a general salute to? It's not to Hendrix specifically. They're using Hendrix. Is it just uh, just like like is it the equivalent of Black History Month? I mean, I mean, kind of. Okay, so the the Sounders have a band, a cover band that comes in and does um, on the Watchtower, like uh, before every match. Like it's it's been something that they've in- tried to integrate culturally throughout the team's history in MLS is having local music in the area. I mean, you think even about. Uh, the gentleman that that led, uh, what is it, the the Star Spangled Banner, right? Uh, the, the Garfield was it Garfield's uh, music teacher for years, and he'd be out there and he'd like have mm. his little baton. He's so, but it, it's it's a very Seattle thing. They want local stuff, right? You know, if Pearl Jam was still in existence, they'd probably do something with Pearl Jam. But you know, oh, they've had Mike McCready a couple times do the. Uh, Star right, Spangled right. Band with but the guitar. What I mean is, like, if if Pearl Jam was an active band, they'd probably have them doing yeah. something, right? Matt, it's, Matt, it's a very yeah, they're, it's, a very, they're, it's a very Sounders thing. Yeah, they they apparently I I honestly can't remember it, but apparently they blare all along the Watchtower throughout the stadium prior to kickoff. That's what Rich was just saying. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, so I'm looking at their website here, and, and they're explaining it. And they're just saying it's. It's a rallying cry, really rooted in the fabric of our city. Jimmy is Seattle. So maybe they're just trying to do something a little bit. Music changed the world, you know. Maybe they're just break the mold. Maybe they're just trying to do something a little bit different and shake it up a little. One one other thing that's been um, a criticism for the for the league for Major League Soccer over the last few years from the fan base, as well as specifically from the Sounders fan base was that some of the jerseys that have been come that, that have been designed by Adidas have been far too plain. Just they're the awful. Last two they, the white se- the white jerseys, yeah. right? And um, I mean the, the the first one was just like all white, right? It was basically all white with green piping. It was very plain. Um, there was another one that was a throwback. It was called the Heritage jersey. It had at least had blue shorts, right? Like the the light baby blue shorts that went with it, which is like better than all white. Yeah, I'm um, still not great, um, and so they they they've really tried to appeal to the unique early days of the secondary kit being a little bit more daring. Yeah, right. You think about uh, especially those Cascade Shale. I don't know if you remember the gray uniforms. Oh, I love um, those. Yeah. Did. Oh yeah. Yeah, 
those were just I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, that, that that second version of the gray uniforms that had the, the vertical stripe with the blue and the green kind of going back and forth was was my all time favorite secondary. But see, Adidas, Adidas is bad about this because mm-hmm. like I think about uh, I want to say about five years ago, the Nebraska Cornhuskers football team, Adidas took that over and it's like, my God, how big is that logo going to be on your chest for Adidas? Like, it's just, you know, it's bad. That's I mean, not Nebraska overall, football. I mean, Major League Soccer... UCLA, same way. Yeah. So Adidas has the entire contract for all of Major League Soccer. And quite frankly, that's probably not going to change any, in, until Major League Soccer really does join the the other four big sports from a TV revenue standpoint, uh, where they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. People are going to watch... Right now, Major League Soccer is still driven by, quite frankly, Adidas revenue for, from, from the jerseys and game day attendance. And until uh, game day attendance is something like 60% of the revenue and the jersey uh, deal and the merchandising deal is, is like another 25 or 30%, until that number changes to a more like a third, a third, a third, you're just not going to see... Um, this major league soccer willing to cut a guaranteed revenue source that quite frankly has been very supportive of them. They're willing to deal with the kind of second class statuses because basically what Adidas does is they say, Hey, here's what we want to do. Which of these 15 terrible designs do you like? Like uh, right. from the color scheme, right? <laughs> like we're willing to do this. Right. Yeah. And, um, you you basically take what you will you know you make the best of the bad lot which is basically what has happened just think about the 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 black and pink uniforms that we had uh this oh, yeah. last time that this game's jersey is replacing there, there's nothing wrong with i didn't it, mind it there are a redo of your favorite jersey the pitch black yeah the only thing different is the color of the piping which is pink instead of hot pink for some reason yeah, yeah. whereas like something a little more bold would have been pink with black stripes. Well, green. Yeah, green. <laughs> Maybe their main color might yeah. be interesting. They already, have that as the, they already have that as the primary, so they're not going to they're not going to change it. But anyway, back to that one other thing I want to bring up to our fabulous listeners. If you guys really want to find it, um, hit up the pro uh, the team shop. You can only get this at the team shop is a two uh, different specialized scarves in the new color scheme that um, are mod- one of them is modeled on Jimi Hendrix's guitar strap mm-hmm. that he wore um, during uh, they, they have a thing on it but it's basically it's, it's modeled on that it looks incredibly good um, if you check my my Twitter feed out I, I did retweet it what's uh, that Twitter at uh, mine is uh, SSU underscore uh, uh, Rich. I was going to say it's your name, right? Yeah, yeah. Richard M. <laughs> Richard M. Uh, you remember your Richard name? M. <laughs> SSU underscore uh, Richard M. Uh, on Twitter, um, and I, I'll, I'll retweet it again tonight after uh, after we get this up and posted. So, Rich, um, you had a question for both Matt, both Matt and I. I did. Oh. I did. This is the second thing. So, um, we've got a lot of sounders to cover, but I really want to want to ask you. So, the U.S. men's uh, national team mm-hmm. uh, failed to qualify for the Olympics again mm-hmm. for the third straight time. 
fourth time out of five tries. In other words, we're one for five here. As more casual soccer fans than I, do you guys care? Would you watch a U.S. team play if they were like getting in, like playing for a, a shot on a medal? Uh, clarification question first, yeah, because I don't, I don't I honestly don't know. Is it like the NBA? Are they are the are the MLS people banned from fan, from playing in the Olympic team? No, no, these are all professionals. Everyone's sending professionals. So, they, so the the best the cream of the MLS players, if they're from from no, the U.S., no, be on the team. Rich, Rich, that's not true. Yeah. No, the, the USMNT. There is a big to do about the USMNT not being able to send players. Ah, there are details here. So okay. everyone that's going to play the Olympics is going to be a professional. But it, um, about 15, 20 years ago, they made a decision that the Olympics were not going to be a what is known as a full international tournament, meaning on the same standing as the World Cup. Because what was happening is that uh, the players just never got a break. They would, yeah. they would have World Cup qualifying one year. They'd have Euro qualifying another year. They'd have the World Cup. They'd have the Euros. If they were South American, they'd have the Copa America. And then you want to throw the Olympics in there. And the, literally, I mean, soccer players already play 10, 11 months a year uh, mm -hmm. between their international duties as well as their professional duties. And they literally, like, some of these guys literally would go four years with never having more than like a week or two off from soccer, which is just untenable from a, like your body needs some rest. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, they, they decided the Olympics was going to be a, an, an under 23 tournament with an exception that you could bring th three players of any age, basically. In other words, you can bring your, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, you can bring your Neymar, you can bring your Zlatan Ibrahimovic if you want to and tack them into this, uh, what is otherwise going to be, 23-year-olds and younger, okay? But with that being said, these 23-year-olds are all professional players. And just for some perspective, some of our very best players that are full internationals, meaning they play on the first team for the United States, if we have our pick, these are guys like Serginho Dest, who plays for Barcelona. He's their starting right back. Christian Pulisic, who is the best left uh, left winger that Chelsea has, never mind that their coach is a fool and won't ever play him on a consistent basis, never mind the guys he's playing <laughs> up front can't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, you've got uh, uh, guys like Weston McKinney, who is the starting central midfielder for uh, Juventus, who is the, the reigning like eight-time uh, Italian champion. These are the guys, that are, these are all guys that are under 23. They could have come to the Olympics, but... Because the Olympics is like a second-tier tournament, they weren't released from their professional duties. Oh. They had to stay with their teams. So we had like a C-level or D-level team. Like if you were going to put a, here's our starting 11, okay. here's the next starting 11, next. We were down to like the C and D guys. We so had the... a, me a mediocre coach in Jason Kreis who uh, never called these guys into camp. They weren't organized. They never really played together. All right. So, so in that case, Rich, no, I don't care. Okay. But what if? What I, I, if no, 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 hang on, let me let me give you my reason why. Okay. I, I'm going to be honest for for Olympics in general. I don't care about team sports. Like unless it's something, okay. unless it's something okay. like like I really want. I know everybody loves basketball and everybody likes hockey and and all that good stuff. And you know I don't mind watching it myself, but. 
I kind of want to watch once every four years all the sports that I'm not going to watch ever again for another four years. Well, that's hockey for me. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's 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 baseball, hockey, basketball yeah. for me. You know, it's like I, it's like neat, but I don't care if those teams win or lose because I know that uh, you know I know that we're not sending you know like as you're saying with the soccer here, we're not sending our best guys. And for basketball, it's in my opinion a bunch of entitled guys who can't. What, what happened about ten years ago? Didn't they all want to stay on a yacht? out in the Adriatic Sea because they couldn't be they couldn't be uh, bothered to stay in the Olympic Village. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, forget those guys. I'd rather see I'd rather see the Tobogner. I'd rather see the downhill skier. I'd rather see the the relay race. That's just gotcha. I I would have to kind of agree with Abraham. I know it hurts, but it's it's true. Uh, the, the reality is is that yeah, if it's if it sounds like they have the same problem that, that the MLS always freaking has, and it's always hit the Sounders, in my opinion, because we, we've had some of the best squads, and then we have to send our players off to these other teams, the national teams, and, and, and you know, go off and, and go in CONCAF and go off and do the the Gold Cup or whatever, and, and you know, these other incidental, and in, in my opinion, pointless other little tournaments and stuff. And and it drains away from the Sounders and the Sounders I care about, but the other tournaments I really don't, except with the exception of maybe the World Cup. Um, but yeah, the Olympics. The 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 other the other caveat here is I'm a I'm a Winter Olympics guy. Summer Olympics I really can't find an event in there to care about. I really try hard and I can't. But Winter Olympics comes around, I'm watching everything, absolutely everything. I can watch. 72 hours straight of curling <laughs> and it and i won't fall asleep i will be in i don't know I, I don't know what it is it's just fascinating to me when it happens but but yeah no i, I just if, if it's going to be the c or d level guys then we're not even or obviously not trying are we so then what why bother i mean well it's not a matter of a matter of trying it's no one no one got to send their a level guys cuz all their a level guys are in europe primarily or south america yeah. playing really high level soccer and none of their clubs said yeah go ahead right cuz cuz all these guys are good enough that they're starters yeah or key reserves and they don't want to let them go in the middle of like the championship well, the push too. right well and the pandemic right or the travel restrictions yeah so i'll i'll, I'll say this and this has been my thing on sports for a long time, and it, it's exposed. The reason you have organizations, right, is to hopefully systematize things, to have leadership, to have institutional memory, so you don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And in sports, especially in sports, but in anything, really, any organization, when crap hits the fan, you need to know what you're good at, what you can execute on, okay? Okay. So in sports, specifically soccer, you need to know, hey, we play a 4-3-3, we play a high press, we play man-to-man defense, we're going to steal the ball from you, you're going to run it down your throat. That is what we are best at. Now, game to game, we might tweak the game plan to adjust to an opponent. But if that opponent has figured us out, is breaking us down, and we can't stop them, what are we going to do? We're going to go back to the basics of what we are. Think about the Seahawks at their very best. They ran that four three or not the four yeah the four three uh, under cover uh, cover three under right yep and said come yeah. come and beat us at our best thing yeah you know 
The Sounders at their very best are when Jordan Morris was running in behind, Nicola Dara was on the ball, and they said, hey, good luck, right? But like, now you, you, said, you said to me and Matt that they have a new formation now without Jordan Morris. They do, they do. So Jordan Morris, for our listeners that have been under a rock for the last two months, Jordan Morris went on loan to Swansea with the hope of getting a big move to Europe on a permanent basis. And he was breaking into the team. He was yeah. getting really good moments. In fact, he had played a great match against Manchester City in the Premier League in the, in the FA Cup. Um, he, he looked like a man among boys on his team. And then he went down with an ACL injury. He's out for probably a full season. We might see him oh, yeah. this time next year. So in the meantime... What that means is the Sounders, for the first time in a long time, do not have uh, wingers, basically outside players who aid the forwards in their attack. Now, these guys live usually out by the, the sidelines. That's where they're in their best, and they're really good at usually dribbling or timing their runs behind so they can get a through pass. You, you, said, guy, you said guys plural. So yeah, there was more than, Morrison who else? So Morris, and then last year we had kind of a, rot- a rotation. Uh, we played Christian Roldan on that, in that spot, not because he's necessarily fast or an ideal winger, but he's just too good of a player that you can't... As the head coach says, uh, Christian Roldan's position is on the field. In, in other words, yeah. he is going to find, as long as Schmetzer is the coach, Roldan is going to be on the field somewhere, even if it's at goalie. Um, He's just too good of a soccer player to be left off. Um, Roldan's going to be in the center of the park. He's going to be in central midfield this year. Um, but Jovan Jones played a, uh, quite a bit for us. He's gone. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that that's basically had a, a bit of a knock-on effect across the board. We're just a little bit less deep across the board. Um, what that means, though, actually is that um, looking at the personnel – we don't have wingers, so if you're going to sign someone to replace Jordan, well, you also need to sign someone to play, replace uh, Jovan Jones, and um, that means you have to sign two wingers. And so basically they've, they've made a, 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 a choice because they also signed early Sounders favorite, fan favorite, Freddie Montero, our early superstar, right? Abe, that's right. You remember yeah. remember some of your favorite moments? We're watching Zakawani and Montero well, team up and run run at defenses. Yep. Well, Montero is back, except he's a senior statesman now. He's uh, I was going to say is he like eighty, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually, I think, only thirty one at this point. Really, which, which which shows you how young he was when he came to the Sounders eleven yeah. years ago. He was twenty, so he's going to be. Um, the second forward, Raul Rui Diaz is our is our starting striker, and but but Schmetzer realizes he has really good depth at forward. So he's got Rui Diaz, he's got Bruin, he's got Montero. Okay, Rui Diaz is going to miss some time with international duty, much to Matt's chagrin. But that means he's got Montero and Bruin. Okay, and when you've got two players that good, like one of one of. Um, Schmetzer's big regrets last year was he couldn't get Bruin more minutes and more time on the field. And that was just because of personnel issues and, and a variety of things. So now this year he's dedicated to getting his best players on the field and he's going to adjust the formation. And he's basically uh, telegraphed he's going to play a two-forward formation, which they have not done since Siggy Schmidt left. Right. 
So Siggy's favorite formation was a 4-4-2, which is super duper simple. You got a line of four defenders in the back. You got four midfielders in front of them, and you got two forwards up top, uh, which in its heyday was uh, Obafemi Martins and Clint, Dis- uh, Clint the Deuce Dempsey running at people. Um, this year, it's probably going to look a little bit different. We don't have wingers. Now, Ziggy Schmidt always had good outside attackers, um, and he had Osvaldo Alonso in the middle locking down the defense. We've got Jao Paulo, we've got Christian Roldan, we've got Nico Ladero. We don't have any wingers. We've got two forwards we know we can play with. So what's going to happen is we're going to probably play a combination of two formations. One is a diamond. So those four midfielders I mentioned, right? You've got four defenders. In front of them, instead of the four, the four uh, midfielders being in a line, they're going to be in a diamond. So you're going to have Nico Ladero at the top of the diamond. You're going to have uh, Jao Paulo at the bottom of the diamond. You're going to have Christian Roldan on one side. And we don't know who's going to really fill in the other spot. Probably Kellen Rowe, who's a new signing from um, the New England Res- Revolution. He is a Federal Way native of the 253. And um, he's kind of a kind of like a Brad Evans. But, but it definitely can't be Alex Roldan, right? Alex Roldan is unfortunately probably going to start it right back. Really? Because I've always thought of him as a nice guy, but not a starter. He is one of Brian Schmetzer's tough guys, tough kids. And Schmetzer's one flaw and his one strength is that if you are tough, if you are mentally tough, if you are physically able to just gut through stuff and keep believing, right, he will go for you. And um, basically, Roldan was one of those guys that kept believing when we were down two to nothing in the Western Conference Championship to Minnesota at home, right? He was one of those guys that just kept on fighting and fighting and fighting. And if you are one of those guys, even if you are less talented, but you don't ever give up, you will win out over the player who is more talented, but does give up. Right. Uh, and and last year, unfortunately, that was that was Jovan Jones, who really was a big black hole in our in our offense for a long part of the season. We got time for a couple more questions. Matt, did you have any that you wanted to throw out, Rich? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, throw me right on the spot. Why don't you? Or any fault, any accusations you just want <laughs> just, to. Just wild accusations? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I was, I, I to be honest, I, I haven't, I haven't kept up with the off-season acquisitions. I'm, I'm surprised to hear Freddie Montero is coming back. It seems like the last time he was on our, on our team, the Mariners were good. I mean, that's how long ago it seems like <laughs> yeah. it's been. Yeah. Where, it's, where did he go true. in the meantime? I mean, I, I lost track of him. He went, uh, he went to Portugal for about oh, okay. uh, seven years and uh, had a good, really good run. And then the last two years, he's been at our uh, kind of hated rival, the Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, let's be honest. We just don't really have very much venom for them. Right. It's like the Padres with the Mariners. Uh, I was going to actually say it's, it's, it's actually kind of like the Washington State Cougars and uh, the Huskies. They're just not – there's not the venom between them and – yeah, I mean, no, the cougars are cute. It's adorable. Uh, it's adorable yeah, when they come so, to the. So it's like the Africa. beavers and the ducks. We, we yes. they're adorable yes. little brothers. Oh, you yes. mean the beavers that that beat you in the fog, 
Last <laughs> see, last fall. Uh, no, it wasn't. For the record, it wasn't the Beavers that beat us. I've said this to you before. It was Jamar Johnson or Jefferson himself. The running back. Yes, the running back himself beating us. <laughs> the rest of the team wasn't even required. They could have sat on the sideline. He Rich, himself won that game. <laughs> Rich, we are definitely getting you back before the Sounders season starts in, in May. We'll figure out when that is. But did you have any final comments on the yes, Sounders? Yes. Um, one other thing. Uh, the Sounders might also play another formation, a 3-5-2 or 5-3-2. Regardless of how you do it, you basically have three center backs. Headline, New Hutolo is going to play left center back. Brad Smith is going to play left wing back. Now, New Who is crazy. He is crazy defender. He makes high-risk maneuvers. He is a fan favorite because he has flair. And if there's one thing the Sounders fans love is flair. But he's also a rock-solid defender. But what I'm looking forward to is the occasional run out of the back by the former left back, New Who Tolo, rampaging down the left side. And I'm telling you right here, I'm making, I'm calling my shot that New Who, on one of those crazy runs, scores his first Sounders goal of his career, and it will be in the Bromand, and the stadium will go nuts. <laughs> because Sounders fans have been waiting for this guy to score a goal for five years. <laughs> and this is the year. And this is the year. All right, you heard it here. You uh, the prediction. All right. Uh, did anybody have any bad things to be- say about... Brian the Soul Man Solak. Yeah, I was I was gonna have a shout, a negative shout out to oh, okay. Solak let's, for, let's not, do, for not bothering let's, to show up. Let's do that. Yeah, negative shout out. Yes, it's a negative shout out to Mr. Solak, and I'm also gonna check on his work and make sure he studies up next week. I want him to repeat the phrase banana to me. That's all. I want him to say the word banana. It'll check and make sure that he's actually done the work and listened to this week's <laughs> podcast all the way through. I will put him on the spot. Any, All the way through. He's got to say the word banana next week. Stay any, tuned. Any positive uh, shout-outs, Matt? Uh, positive shout-outs. The, Ever, the Everett Aqua Sox are gearing up. They're one month away. Uh, on May the 4th, the season starts. And uh, they're, they're gearing up. We're, we're, uh, we're going to continue our uh, our partnership with them and write for their, uh, their programs. So if you go and attend them, buy a shirt, buy a hat, help them out because they, they went a year without any revenue, which is real tough nowadays especially. And, uh, and, and, you know, check out the programs for some SSU articles. Uh, I'm going to give my shout out here. And that's going to be to the Sounders who did this uh, amazing, amazing uh, Jimi Hendrix experience uh, shirt. And I'm glad, I'm glad they're saving history. And also another shout out to Bill Board, whose birthday it is today. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Bill Board. And uh, to you, Rich, any shout outs plus any, um, uh, Care to care to put out your uh, Twitter and all that good stuff, or derogatory comments towards Solak? Yeah, or, or that yeah, too. You can uh, <laughs> you, you you can you can follow me uh, at, at SSU underscore uh, Richard M uh, for the occasional soccer and uh, other uh, banter, uh, you know, takes. Uh, in addition, um, I was just going to say my shout out again is to Pac-12 for firing Larry Scott. Yay! That makes me so happy every time I think about it. And my other shout-out is you can't possibly have a worse football season than you did last year. So um, uh, uh, we're on the up-and-up, I'm hoping, hoping for some good pack, Pac-12 football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. We didn't do a shout-out to Swansea City, who uh, oh, yeah. it looks like they're not going to get the automatic bid uh, to, to, to go up to the uh, Premier League. 
but they are in the playoff to get that done, right, Rich? Yes, they are, and uh, we've got our oh, friends at uh, Swan Swan's Cast, um, which we need to we need to circle back with and, and have another uh, another go at, at it. Yeah, maybe we'll do that before the Sounders uh, next show. All right, great. Well, thank you all all of you out there. Check out all the great content at SeattleSportsUnion.com as well. Check us out at SeattleSportsU on Twitter and listen to all of our great podcasts here on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. See you guys next time.